As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Stars Matter, a recruiting podcast from The Athletic. I'm Mitch Light. He's Ari Wasserman. Ari, it's time to talk recruiting. How you doing, bud? Feels good. And that was the perfect intro. Perfect Thank intro. Thank you. Thank you. I did that in the mirror for like 50 times before we started recording. So I'm glad. Okay, good. Practice makes perfect. I'm going to jump right in. Are you ready in, uh, for the 2023 season? The Quinn Ewers, Archie Manning, Arch Manning, quarterback battle at Texas. I asked this because uh, Steve Woltfong from 247. Uh, reported this week that evidently young Arch has eliminated a Clemson and right now is down to Texas, Ole Miss, Georgia, and Alabama. Could the Quinn Ewers, Arch Manning, would that be the most hotly, most publicized quarterback battle of all time? It would certainly be the highest. Uh, I bet you there's no, I mean, there's no question that there'd be a better one-two punch in back-to-back classes. And I know that like, for whatever reason, I, I, Arch Manning has always really liked Sark, hasn't he? Like that's always been kind of a constant since the beginning of his recruitment. You know what I'm most looking looking forward to is this podcast just becoming the Arch Manning like watch. Yes, the official think, watch. You know what we need to do? We need to um, go down to New Orleans in the off season. Like sometimes if he's like has some if he's just throwing to one of his wide receivers at Newman High School in New Orleans, we just set up and do a live podcast outside watching him throw. Then you hear. Yeah, which is the ball piercing the air with that perfect spiral. Exactly. Um, it is funny to me that um, Arch Manning is just down to who you think he would be down to. You know, just like oh, okay, so every powerhouse in America and Texas, you know, so except LSU though. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. he, he lives in New Orleans. Uh, although I think that like it's against. The I'm law. sure they're trying to. I think they're trying to get in. I'm mean, I, I, obviously LSU's trying to get in. I like. Do you think this is his? This is his four right now. I wonder if this is what his four looks like in six months. Yeah, I'm very curious to see how he's going to approach his actual recruitment because people um, like him can either shut it down early and become the captain of a class and become the face of a program before they get there, or they can, you know, kind of squeeze every piece of, of juice out of it as possible. But like the Manning family, it's like he's already got all the juice that most recruits are trying to get during the recruiting process. It doesn't strike me that that Arch Manning would have much to gain by milking this out if he knows where he wants to go. Now, 
somebody who's as wanted and coveted by every single person in America the way that he is probably has a lot more to think about because when you are down to all the powerhouses, you know, at a certain point, Mitch, and I don't know if this is going to offend people, but like they're indistinguishable. Like if you're considering Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, LSU, and and programs like that and Clemson, it's just like you can't make the wrong decision. They're all really good places to go to. So like to me, I've always marveled at the idea of what is it that a prospect is looking for when they're down to those schools and how do you differentiate Georgia and Alabama? I think it's that's all it is. It's just how much do you like the coach and how much do you uh, believe in maybe the path to the field and the, you know, but the facilities, the track records, the national prominence, the television time, all that stuff's the same. These are all cool college towns. They're all fun. Yeah. Sure. Athens, I like Athens, Georgia. Some people might like Austin as a bigger city than Athens. You know, there's different kids like different things. But they're all great school. They're all fun. They're you can all have fun at all of them. Like yes. I went to Arizona. No quarter five star quarterbacks going to Arizona. It's a blast. You know what I mean? Like everybody's going to have a good time. So, you know, to me, it's kind of just like, do I want to play for Saban or do I want to play for Kirby Smart? Do I want to play for Sark? Like, and then just go from there. But you know, it'll be very interesting to see. Uh, I thought it would have been cool if he would have just wound up at Ole Miss or Tennessee and just kept it in the family. You know, and gone somewhere new that you know could have added a new could, piece. Well, Ole Miss is on that list. Ole Miss no, is I know, on his, but uh, I mean, how to how, me that how, went from a okay. Now we always say if you're the number one player in the country and you're the number one quarterback, and we see what's going on in some of these quarterbacks' rooms, like at Ohio State with Devin Brown joining that that those guys there. So like Arch Manning's not worried about competition, but if you're looking at all of these schools, which the the only one you know Jackson Dart will be a sophomore this year. He'll be a junior. You know when Arch Manning's gets to college, but all these other schools. We'll have a five star in the class right in front of him. Ole Miss makes a lot of sense, but is he going to win? Is he going to make the playoff at Ole Miss? Sure, he could, but the other three schools—well, Texas—you can—that's another story. We, we can we, we'd spend enough time on Texas, and it's and but it's, even uh, Texas, yeah. So like Georgia or Alabama, if you want, if if he wants to make the playoff, but these kids rightfully so have huge egos. So he's like, I, wherever I go, we're going to be a playoff team. So I, I just think the whole thing's, it's going to be fascinating because does he, does, like you said, what more does he know, need to know about these schools? Like if he's going to commit before the 2022 football season, he has nothing more to know about. Like their Ross, there's no games to be played yeah. unless there's a coaching change or a position coach. Now, if he's going to wait until after the 2022 season, a lot can change. Lane Kiffin might not be at Ole Miss. I'm just making that up. Yeah. Certain programs can implode, but so. But these that, programs aren't going to implode, right? True. So, and nothing's okay. going to change from a position coach for the most part. Those things don't typically happen in April. So right. you know it. It is very fascinating, and the thing that I find really interesting about like the whole dynamic, Mitch, is that like, what is it? And this is a, a person that doesn't really talk to the media all that much, you know. And why would he? But like, what does Arch Manning care about the most like I think a a story and I'm going to try to reach out to him I've tried to reach out before but a story of just like what do you care about like we don't have to talk about the schools what are the things that you care about what what are you emphasizing what do you want to see and I guess he could just say I just want to know go to a place that feels like home or say the same spiel that every other recruit says and they're boring 247 sports like recruiting update stories but like what if it's like I think proximity to family yeah Maybe I, I it's think with like, him, if it's proximity to family, it's it's LSU or Alabama. 
I think it's but when, when your the family can hop on a private jet. Yeah, when you're, yeah. You know, hop on a private jet and get to like fly into Austin and back on game day. I don't really think that matters. Yeah, I do think that uh, um, the entire thing of like what does every prospect care about doesn't really apply to him because he's already a part of a family that can do whatever they want. So yeah. it, it'll be very fascinating. Okay, this will not be the last time we talk about Arch Manning on the podcast. Um, a couple other notes. Um, this one kind of, and this one's a little annoying to me as someone who stays very organized and wants things to end with signing day so I can do my charts and have my rankings. We still have two, we now have two five stars who have not decided where they're going. So that's going to change the rankings over the next few months. We all know about Josh Connerly Jr. who from Seattle who is going to announce maybe sometime in March. But then what, Lebius Overton, a five-star defensive lineman from Alpharetta, Georgia, has reclassified to the 2022 class, number 18 overall. You could probably name the schools he's choosing. Georgia, Ohio State, Oregon, Texas A&M, and Oklahoma are his five there. So once Lebius Overton and Josh Connerly um, pick their schools, I guess we can finally finalize the rankings, although there's always going to be some guys that probably reclassify late if – ranked in the top 100 and that could change things there so um, is Lebius Overton just not is it just like let me know when he ends up at Georgia uh, I think uh, doesn't he have a lot of crystal balls to Georgia I think last time I looked there, I, mean, I don't so. know I just know that he's from Georgia I mean I saw yeah. some A&M stuff you know yeah what was it Georgia Ohio State Oklahoma Oregon and Texas A&M yeah, yeah. I don't just know just said that it, pay, pay attention yeah no, I know I'm just saying like yeah um, here's Georgia, an interesting so. player that I, I just know more about because uh, your friend Bill Land and my friend too, but your friend, your best friend, Bill Landis wrote about him. Um, I'm always interested by the really good players, in-state players who have yet to be offered by the big state school who are kind of looking at like Anthony Brown, 2023 wide receiver from Ohio, who committed to Minnesota before this season. He is a four-star player. I think top 300 player. I think Ohio State will eventually offer. They hadn't offered yet. Kentucky, his high school coach went to Kentucky. He recently decommitted from Minnesota. My guess is he ends up at Ohio State, but I think stories like his are always fascinating because it's just kind of waiting for that. Like Ohio State does not have to, they don't have to be like Minnesota and offer the kid two years in advance. They can take their time because there's a really good chance a player like him is going to end up at Ohio State, and this is obviously not him specifically, but this is probably the type of story you covered a lot when you were covering Ohio State. Yeah, and the thing, too, is that Ohio State is always going to shake the tree of every five-star prospect there is in California and Texas and Florida and Georgia first, and then at the end of the process, if they still feel like they need a player, not just with this specific instance, but any instance, no, that's been the, that was the whole Urban Meyer model for them. It's and I'm sure Kirby Smart and Nick Saban and all the big dogs in the same realm did the same thing. You know, if there's a player in your state that you feel good about, it's kind of an insurance policy. You go out into the into the world and you try to find the best possible player at that position. And if you can get somebody nationally that you think is better, uh, you do that. And if you strike out with the national prospects, which let's be honest, these schools rarely do, but when they do, they can go home and in July or August or September offer the, the scholarship and nine times out of 10, that prospect that's in the state is going to go to the place that waited on them. So, you know, I think that that's a very interesting dynamic and every single place is kind of a different place because this is like a very big Nebraska thing. And I know we always figure out a way to get back to Nebraska, 
Nebraska and Texas. Yeah. We are, everything always gets back to them. But Nebraska is a traditional college football power. They have rare years where there's more than five top 100 player, five, more than two top 100 players or one top 100 player in their roster, or I mean in their state. And Nebraska has to offer all the kids early before they get that ranking or before they, they develop into the town that they become. But they do it too early, then they're ending up having to honor scholarships with people that they don't want. And it's just like this weird tightrope where and they're not like the said, same. You, they don't have the same pool as scholarship Alabama. or else you're pissing off too many yeah. people. But also Nebraska can't offer a five-star prospect in the state of Nebraska in August and hope to get him. Or a four-star prospect. Like if this if this situation was playing out at Nebraska right now, Nebraska would have to sign or offer that kid immediately. Like there's no waiting. So like Ohio State and Alabama and Georgia have the benefit of the doubt. Like Georgia just came in and last week during the signing period offered a, a three-star running back, Andrew Paul, you know, in December or January and ended up getting him two weeks later. It's like 99% of the schools out there can't operate that way. The, the schools and, that were in on him early, and I'm not talking about the same Houston states, but like Missouri must be like, what the hell do we need to do here? Like we, we discovered this kid. And, yeah, you but know, I asked him that and he yeah. goes, well, they were all late. Yeah. He goes, even though Missouri was the first one, they were the first one, they were still late. Missouri offered him in October of his senior year. That's a late offer. So even though Missouri did it first to him, what does he care of whether you get offered by in October or December? It's the same same situation. If Missouri would have been the only power five school to offer him his junior year, that's a completely different discussion. So like as you as you look through it, like what the timing of the offer is, and I think Bill's working on a story about like the importance of that first offer. Yes. I think the importance of that first offer is real, but I think the timing of that first offer is more important than who did it first. Does that make sense? So, like, yeah. if you are a program that doesn't have the same type of pool that an Ohio State or an Alabama has, then you certainly have to really pay the pros and cons of offering somebody because you don't want a kid that can't play or doesn't develop to commit his sophomore year, and then you're stuck with him. And that's like, a, and that's a hard thing too because at Nebraska, Iowa State. In Oklahoma State and all the other schools that are coming in Iowa, they can offer whenever they want. And if they get them, great. And if they end up getting somebody who doesn't develop, they can move on from them and they don't have to worry about it. But at Nebraska, you can't pull scholarships from in-state players. It's a whole thing. And it's like the same thing. It's like if you made a list of schools who don't have that clout, like I, I imagine that like USC, I think traditionally has been a school that has offered late or has dragged their feet on certain kids. Clark Phillips is a uh, borderline five-star prospect from two or three years ago that was committed to Ohio State. I went out to L.A. to write a story about him, and at the time, he was a top 50 player, and he was complaining to me about how US, USC was late to offer him and wasn't showing him the love that he thought he deserved and you know, didn't want to go to USC as a result of that. And then he flipped late and ended up at Utah as the highest-rated player to ever sign in Utah's class. It's like, well, if USC would have offered that kid as a sophomore, they might have – one of the best cornerbacks in the country coming back next year. And guess what they have a hole at right now? Cornerback. But there's also, there's also a lot of Clark Phillips out there. And if they offered three of them and two of them couldn't play, they're left with two kids on the roster who can't play. It's like it's the balance no, I know. That about. I, it's, yeah. it's difficult. But like USC is an interesting dynamic because USC, and I guess you can change your, your clout the second your coach comes in. I don't know if you agree with me on that, but like the USC yes. – is different now than it was two months ago. Well, you're just saying that Lincoln ago. Riley's cooler has more clout than Clay Helton. I'm just, I, yeah, I'm just saying like, yeah, but like also too, USC also 
now as a result of having Lincoln Riley can offer later because they have that personality at coach, which I think is an invaluable discussion that people don't have. Like just the instant legitimization of your program also can change the timeline in which you have to offer in-state prospects. But like USC, I think most people on the West Coast would probably view that program as on the same footing as some of the traditional powers that we're talking about. But USC didn't have the same type of ability that an Alabama would have, where if there's a really good player in LA that they could wait on them because they they were in the same position as Nebraska. And now that Lincoln Riley is there, I think they are no longer in that position, which I find to be fascinating. There's a reason that historically colleges took commitments from kids like in their senior year and leading up to signing day because they have more information. It's better you, you the more information you have on these kids, the more the better you can evaluate them. Now you can argue now there's more information than ever because they can see actually see better film of them on the internet from their junior year. But the reason the calendar keeps getting pushed up is because schools are trying to get ahead of each other and they want to get in the door, like you're saying. So I, I the, the the whole thing is the the reason Georgia like Georgia is class is going to be better because they were able to evaluate a running back like Andrew Paul and get him at the last minute rather than have to take a risk on someone a running back a year and a half ago or let like everybody else evaluate yeah like even if you yeah. want to give Missouri yeah. <laughs> credit for being the first one Georgia's like great job Missouri way to identify this person everybody right. else is coming in you know what we're Georgia we're going to come and get him anyway and we're talking about a kid that lived in Dallas. Yeah, it's not like he was in the middle of it nowhere. It's not like he Texas. was 10 minutes up the street, and that's the type yeah. of pool that these programs have. So um, the funniest thing, too, is if you ask every single college coach in an honest moment, what would you, would you rather not be able to offer kids until their senior year? I think everybody would want to sure. do that. Everybody's on board with it. Co- college coaches don't want to offer freshmen. Right. They don't want to offer sophomores, but they have to. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And and Sam Sam Khan's working on a story on this, and this is going back years and before I really followed recruiting that closely. But a lot of people will say that one of the not the downfall, but the reason that Texas started to struggle under Mac Brown is because he started taking recruit too many early commitments. He he was the one that really got the, his big junior days, and he'd have half of his signing class for the next year wrapped up on signing day the previous year. Who's that, Mac Brown? Getting, is that what you yeah, said? Yeah, Mac Brown, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. And you're, you're taking too many commitments from kids who are two years away from graduating high school and either they've already developed and they're not developing anymore physically or they're not going to continue to develop physically in the manner you thought and then you're left with a recruiting class of 25 kids and you're missing on 12 of them whereas if you sign those 25 kids took commitments from them a month out of signing day, you might only miss on five of them. 
And but Mac Brown but, was also like the visionary that created Junior Day, wasn't he? Yes, yes. So it's there's good. It's and like Sam's, good and bad. Yeah, yeah, Sam's going to be doing a really good story on this. Um, kind of revolutionized the, the signing day in, in a lot of regard, the recruiting calendar in a lot of regards. Um, staying in the state of Ohio, uh, Luke Montgomery, uh, 2023 junior, number 62 overall offensive lineman, is committing February 17th. He's the number one. The number one player in the state is Brennan Vernon, defensive lineman who's committed to Notre Dame. Sonny Styles, safety, would have been the number one player in the class in Ohio, but he reclassified and's already signed with Ohio State. So Luke Montgomery committing next week looks like Ohio State. This is a kid. This is a kid that Ohio State in-state wants and will probably get. Ohio State's class is going to be fascinating. I'm very excited to see. I think they are not going to sign a class as good as they're usually signing this year. Will they get a five-star? Yeah, I'm assuming they'll get a five-star. I think that their recruiting plan, because if you look at the state of Ohio, it's not very deep this year. It's usually a little bit deeper. And like you said, Sonny Styles reclassified to 2022. So it doesn't matter if you want to put them as a 2022 or a 2023. They got the kid, the program, whatever. But it's the same thing that we talked about in the past of like, there are really good coaches now in a lot of the areas of the country that Ohio State has recruited nationally. And I'm very curious if they're going to be able to sign 12 or 13 top 100 players this year. Because if you look at the the general, like, I mean, let's look, look at the top 10. Arch Manning, they're out on. Number two, Malachi Nelson is committed to USC. He's from L.A. Um, Cormani McLean is number three cornerback from Lakeland, Florida. Florida and Florida State seem to be high on them. David Hicks. Number four is from Allen, Texas, and Dallas. The Texas A&M and Texas are all over that. Um, Caden Proctor, I, I should probably write a story about that. I'm sure Scott Docterman will, but Iowa, top five player in the state of Iowa. Well, Landis wrote about him when he went to yeah, go. Yeah, I know, uh, but now yeah. it's now it's here, so I'm going to write the same story again. Um, you know, we'll see where he ends up. Uh, but, like, if you go look at the places that the top ten are from, Flo- uh, Florida, Detroit, Fort Lauderdale, Texas, Alabama, there's not a lot of, like, areas there where they can kind of maneuver – without having to run into an established coach or a coach that's bringing more excitement into a, a revived program. Now, let me so ask you like, this. There are three top 200 players in Ohio in the 2023. How's that? I mean, I could go back and look. How's That seems kind of low, is it? it? It's very low. Yeah. So like I Ohio so. State has, has – has Like Brendan Vernon's committed to Notre Dame. Luke Montgomery, we think it's going to go Ohio State. Joshua Padilla, interior offensive lineman, number 125, is going to Ohio State. Then you go down to 216, Malik Hartford, who is an athlete at Ohio State, wants. And then Anthony Brown, the wide receiver we just talked about, who decommitted from uh, Minnesota. So there are, I'll let you finish your thought there in a second. There are seven four star uh, prospects in the 2022 class. I know, class but if you go state. look at the way that Ohio State has been recruiting the last three years, a lot of those kids would be like the lower-rated players in the sure. previous classes. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. Like, Ohio State has excelled dramatically, uh, more so than anybody in the country. At what I'm hearing nationally. is what I'm hearing is you're saying Ohio State's run as a recruiting dynasty is over. What I'm saying is is that Ohio State is basically Oregon this year. Yeah, interesting. And if they're the new that'd Oregon, be a good story. Like, if Ohio State is Oregon, <laughs> who's Oregon? and they're in a position where they are forced because my my whole theory with Ohio State has always been. That because they have seven to eight to ten top tier players in the state of Ohio in a given year, they can get all those commitments early and then spend all their energy on the final 15 that are out of state and not have to worry about the core of their class, like the Jack Sawyers of the world. 
And now that those don't exist, they have to sign their entire class basically from out-of-state prospects. So when forced in a position where they have to go national, where they have to rely on it, where they have to be Oregon, is Ohio State good enough? And I guess maybe the answer to that question might turn out to be yes. But are they good enough to actually sign a top three class in this or top four class the way that they did the previous few years without having the backbone of their class? Like, I mean, Jack Sawyer was one of the top 10 players in the country. And that kid was, I think, committed as a freshman or a sophomore. You know, like they, they had all these guys in the bag. They don't have anybody in the bag at 23. And they don't have anybody in Columbus for the most part or in the state of Ohio that they're just going to automatically get outside of the names that you just mentioned. So okay, now you know, there, if you look at the top 10 kids in the country right now, I don't see an Ohio State commitment in there. And Dante Moore, the kid out of Detroit, is being recruited by everybody, that that quarterback. Yeah. But I don't I don't seem that Ohio State's in a position to take another five-star this year. Maybe they'll get them. But like Michigan, Jim Harbaugh just reaffirmed his commitment, <laughs> for lack of a better term, to Michigan. Michigan State, Notre Dame, and Penn State are all on this kid. And like Ohio State is nowhere to be found on them. So like are they are they gonna go this year and not get a top ten player? Probably. You know, and then you start like and then when you start talking about like average player ranking and, and all the things, like those types of players those top 10 players are the ones that 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 boost that up so like my official prediction on february 9th as all this stuff gets going is that ohio state's going to have a very hard time signing a class in 23 that resembles anything close to what they signed in 2022 and 2021 now there are three top 200 guys in 2023 there are eight in 200 in, in 2022 now if you Flip Sonny Styles that goes from seven to four, so it's a little closer. The one interesting thing is, and just from editing Bill and hearing you guys talk, the one position where Ohio State has not recruited great in recent years, or not recruited and not developed, is the offensive line. And two of the top, two of those top one, two hundred kids in the state in this cycle are offensive linemen. So maybe can they survive a class that's a top ten class and not a top five class if they've strengthened the offensive line? Probably but you don't want two classes like that. Trivia question for you. Okay. How many players in Ohio State's 2022 class okay. are ranked outside of the top 300? They had 21 uh, signees. Okay, the big offensive lineman who they got late, who's like in the thousands. And you should know this because you edit Bill. Yeah. Um, how many signees did they have? 21, you said? 21. Out of the 21, how many ranked outside of the top 300? Five? Four. Four, Okay. And one of them is a developmental offensive lineman yeah. and one's a tight end. Yeah. They don't they don't take kids out of the top 300. So like when you start listing off all these guys, they've got four four-star prospects. We know on this podcast, if you listen, that there's a huge difference between a four-star prospect who ranks number 40 overall and the, the four-star prospect that ranks number 350. There's a huge difference. Ohio State doesn't take those kids. So if that's what Ohio State's made up of for the most part this year, that's going to be a really tough go of it. I mean, do you agree with me? I mean, am I, am I yeah, insane? no, I think it's – I hadn't thought of that in those terms. And, and you know, just Ohio State fans have been spoiled by an unbelievable run of recruiting. How will they react to one subpar year if, if it – In one subpar year is the reason why you lose in the playoff. Yeah. Like, it, that's the it, it doesn't prevent too, you like, from getting the playoff maybe, but it prevents – you have enough holes on your roster where you don't win that playoff game if you're Ohio yeah, State. Yeah, and like coming – and if you're Ohio State, coming off of the past two years – which are two of the best recruiting classes that the program signed in history. You don't want to, you don't want to, you want to build on four or five straight years of that and become Alabama. Alabama doesn't miss. They don't have down years like this. Ohio state can't have a, a year where they sign a class that's close to the one that Penn state signed in, in, in 2022, which was a number six class. It was a nice class, but they had what four top 100 players. That's not going to cut it. 
If Ohio State signs a Penn State-like class this year, and listen, maybe I'm maybe I'm like jumping the gun here, and Ohio State deserves the benefit of the doubt that they're not going to do this because they they've been a very but like to me, if they sign a top five class this year with ten top one hundred players, that would be the best recruiting job Ryan Day has done at Ohio State, even if it doesn't rank as high as the previous two classes did. Yeah, interesting. What's the kid's name from Ohio? Iowa, Caden Proctor. Yes, is he the most important recruit in their class? In that in regard, Ohio State's class. Yeah, I mean, on their board, because he, he's a out of state top ten kid that they're in on. Now his teammate just went to Iowa from the twenty twenty two class. Yeah, and that kid was a five star or fringe five star yeah. prospect too, and the most important signee in the history of Iowa football. Yeah. So this is I, so I am more. What's Ohio State going to do? Go into Polk and go get this kid now? Yeah, you've uh, when they couldn't get the the corner last year. Yeah, safety, but you know um, safety. Oh, I'm sorry, defensive back. Here we go again. <laughs> um. Okay, a couple other notes, and we're going to move on. <laughs> USC's average player rating for the 2023 class. Don't look. Take a guess. Ninety-five point four. Think this is sustainable? Ninety-nine. Is that what it is? Ninety-nine point three four. Oh wow! They have three. They have three commits. <laughs> Just stop. Three commits. Three five stars. That's incredible. So USC's. I'd like to know they. You know, you know what it reminds me of? Ari Oklahoma's 2023 class before their coach left. Yeah, well, well that's interesting. How that works. We, I don't know if we're going to talk about this at all. Recruiting and transfer portal, I think, is going to be kind of like an intersecting thing. Yeah. Because recruiting is a synonym for talent accumulation. Sure. And talent accumulation now is going – but like Lincoln Riley went out there and said on Tuesday that he didn't take anybody from Oklahoma. Took them from the transfer portal. portal. So what do you think about it? Do you have, do you have a problem just, ethically with it? I don't know if I have a problem with it ethically. I mean, he's doing – he didn't break rules. Right. Unless he like sat down with Caleb Williams' family before he left Oklahoma and said, hey, if I go to USC, are you coming with me? I mean, I'm sure that's, he did not that do would that. be a major problem. you know. And I guess right. like in a, in a world, you could like accuse him of saying, you know what, Caleb? Pretend like you're going to go to Wisconsin, draw this thing out as hmm. long as possible just so it doesn't look like it was an easy transfer for you. But the thing that I think is fascinating about Lincoln Riley is that he talks, he says things that aren't lies. He says things that are 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 real. Like he did take them out of the portal. So if anybody ever accused him of lying or being dishonest. But does he believe his own bullshit? You can't just say you took him out of the portal and then ignore the fact that they're in the portal because of you. <laughs> right. Like that. Like that's the, like the thing is like Caleb Williams wouldn't be in the portal if you were still in Oklahoma. So, yes, technically you didn't just call some Oklahoma player that you used to coach and say, come to USC, but that's basically what kind of happened, you know, because he didn't want to stay at Oklahoma anymore. He wanted to go to a place uh, that will develop him as a quarterback and get him ready for the next level. And the reason why he committed to Oklahoma to begin with is because of Lincoln Riley's ability to do that. So, of course, he's going to follow the coach that he went to play for. He didn't go to Oklahoma because he's obsessed with Norman. He went well, to Oklahoma you love so Norman. Could, if we've seen yeah. your Twitter feed the last – day and a half your love of norman is is impressive you know what my love is my love is arguing with people on twitter about facts and it it's not even a debate that somebody would rather live in in california than norman like everyone I, loves everyone loves where they're from i get the the being provincial and the pride but if you can't sit there and say you know what and i'm not a huge beach guy but if you can't sit here and say that living in malibu might be a little nicer than living in x town in the midwest or in the southeast then you're fooling yourself and also too i'm not making fun of norman no, of course not 
We all, I'm saying, I love all college I'm, towns. I'm, I'm saying that I would rather live in California than anywhere. I'm not making fun of New York City. I'm not making fun of Nashville. These are all cool towns. Nashville's I've been to all of them. I'd when rather live in when Malibu. Come visit me? I'd rather live in Malibu than Nashville. I'm sorry. Okay. That's not me saying that I don't like Nashville. That's me saying that I like Malibu. And like everybody from Oklahoma was like, you're an asshole. Take out the taxes. You're a, you're a leftist and all this. Yeah, stuff. I, like, that, that's one of the, the, the political ones were funny. Yeah. I, I just like the ocean and I like, <laughs> I like nice restaurants and entertainment and 72 degrees year round. And the reason why the houses in LA are a million dollars for a 1200 square foot shack is because people want to live there. And if you're from Norman or you're from Oklahoma and you have provincial pride, the way that you said, I respect that. Okay. I do. Boomer. Just because you're from there, it's a fact. California is a nicer place to live. And you want to know what that fact is? Property value. Yeah. That's it. Okay. Norman's a nice town, though. I've been there. I've covered a game there. It's great. So we're saying that USC probably will not end this cycle with an average player rating over 99. I'm very curious to see if they can finish it over 95. Yeah. Um. I mean, they're on, they're on the starting. How many? Do they have three star prospects? Three, three five, five stars yeah, already? That's it, yeah. And then DeAndre Moore, the other fringe yeah. five star. He was a five star. Yeah. He got downgraded. Right. Still basically a five star. I think he's going to end up there. How many players in USC's class? I think I said in the mailbag on Tuesday that I wrote on The Athletic that there are 10 top 100 players. I hope you wrote on The Athletic. Are you doing other mailbags I don't how, know about? How many players does... Of the 10 top 100 players in California, does USC need to get in your mind for them to be successful? I agree. Would you say or seven? Seven. I think that's, I think six or seven. And then they have to go get top 100 players from other states. Right. Well, then that's what uh, Pete Carroll used to do. Go to Georgia, go, you know, go all Ohio. You know, he would, he would get guys in New Jersey. My favorite thing in the world that USC has done in the past is taking five-star prospects out of Florida. Because you're not being able to sell the weather right, and yeah. the beach and all that stuff. You're just you saying, still we're, just, we're USC. We're USC. Come, come get if, us. If Lincoln can do that, the, the second he does that, let me write a column. Okay. We're going to transition from one great weather place to another. Did you know, and this could be a story, open the pipeline, Ari. There are six four-star prospects in the state of Massachusetts in the 2023 cycle. Been, What's the highest rated one? Rated? There's seven the previous 10 years. And there are that four. That is a story. Yeah. Um, so hold on. Let me find the top guy. Because I was looking something up yesterday and I was like, whoa, this has got Ari written all over it. Um, one second. Joel Aguero, who's got a crystal ball to Georgia, is um, number 44. So top 50 player from the state. When's the last time Massachusetts had a top 50 player? I have to go back and look. So they've got... Dude, this is a story. Yeah. So they've got... Oh, no. they. I missed one. Samson Okunlala, number 35. Offensive tackle. Janelle Aguero, number 44. Bubakar Traore, number 146. And then um, number 330, number 330. They got the 330, 331, and 332 players in the state, in the, in the country. So they've got two top 100 players in Massachusetts yes, this year? Yes, This is a good year for Don Brown to be hired as UMass's head coach. Do, UMass the playoffs in 24 or 25? What do you think? 24. 24. Develop them quickly? Yeah, I agree. It'd be very interesting to see if Michigan will get those guys. 
Uh, Michigan already got one of them, the tight end. Remember a couple of, uh, Andrew yeah. Replaya? We we talked about him. He's number three thirty one. One of them's committed. No, to, I'm talking about the top hundred players. Okay, one of them's committed to the the number three player who's one forty six is committed to BC. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see. Um, if Michigan, if Michigan, uh, let me say this right now. Go ahead. If Michigan gets both top one hundred players out of Massachusetts, I will write a column publicly apologizing for making fun of their recruiting strategy. I, I look forward to editing it because like that is like the payoff, right? Like you take all these kids from you from Massachusetts, you create this pipeline, you feel good about your footing in that state. And then all of a sudden there's for the first time in human history, two top 100 players in the state of Massachusetts, then Michigan has to get them. Right. You know, I just clicked on Samson Okunlala, the number one player in the state, number 35, his college list, Arizona, Can I- Arizona State, Arkansas, Auburn, Boston College. I wonder if he he goes to, and I don't know about Fair Academy. I don't know if that's like a boarding type school. Maybe he's from, you know, not from there and has no allegiances anywhere. But um, I'm sure he's got offers from everywhere if he's that highly rated. Um, All right, I found this interesting. Texas Tech and Baylor lead the country in the class of 2023 with 10 commits each. Don't know what that means, but basically – a year in advance, 10 commits. Not surprising with Texas Tech because uh, Joey McGuire really basically started recruiting when he, you know, midseason. And when we started talking about him and you were writing about him, he was already getting 2023 commitments during the 2022 cycle. So um, that's obviously going to be a storyline we'll follow in the next I bet year. you how many of the Texas Tech commitments are from Texas? Do you have the class open? No. Okay. I, I can get it real quick. Uh, you get what? Nine. You know, that's your guess? Yeah. Because Texas Tech has to be pretty high up in the rankings because of it. Ten. All of them. All of them? I was going to say all, but I figured maybe they're a kid from Oklahoma or something. What about Baylor? How many of their kids are from? Okay, let me find Baylor. Guess. Uh, I'm going to go eight on Baylor. I'd say not as many. Ten. Wow. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's not. I guess not that shocking. I'm not not really surprised with Texas Tech. A little more surprised with Baylor. The um, highest rated player in Baylor's class is rated 242. The highest rated player in Texas Tech's class is number 142. And you want to hear the craziest stat about that? What? The dude that is rated 142. His name is Isaiah Crawford. He's from Post Texas, edge rusher, mm-hmm. four star defensive end. This is Tech. To Tech. Yeah is rated the number 27 overall player in the state of Texas. <laughs> wow. So, like, when you look at just how important this is. That's why people want to coach in the state of Texas. It's like 20 players are already committed to Power 5 programs in the state of Texas, at least, and none of the top 27 have committed yet. Sorry, three or four of the top 27 have committed. Notre Dame, Oklahoma, a Texas and Texas Tech. And I want to make another point that might not be in the questions. But Jason Kersey, yeah. our Oklahoma writer, set, called me yesterday. And we had a conversation. He said, you know, it's pretty unbelievable, considering all the things that happened with Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma, that Brent Venables was able to sign the number eight overall class in the country at OU last year. Would you agree with that? Yes. This year, how Oklahoma does in Texas is going to be fascinating. Yeah, because traditionally Oklahoma swims in the top 100, 
national top top 200 waters, right? Would you say, you know, so they're, they're not, they're, traditionally you wouldn't expect Oklahoma, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but you wouldn't expect Oklahoma to be battling Texas Tech for kids from Texas, right? No. Yeah, so I'm, I'm wondering if that will be the case this year. Are they still swimming in those same elite well, waters? I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking at the the top players in the state of Texas right now. There are five five star prospects in the state of Texas, none of whom have committed yet. Two have crystal ball predictions to Oklahoma, out of those five. And well, one of them's quarterback, right? No, I mean, I, one of their not five stars, but they their quarterback commit. I forgot his name is is. Uh, yes, from, his name is Jackson Arnold. Yeah, from he's from Denton. Denton. He's a from, top hundred player. Yeah. And then Ruben Owens, five-star prospect out of El Campo, Texas. He's got crystal balls um, to Oklahoma? Has a few crystal balls. Okay. He has a crystal balls to Texas, too. Yeah. But Oklahoma's involved there. And then uh, Jalen Hale, five-star receiver from Longview, Texas. Um, crystal ball, 100% to Oklahoma. So it'll be very fascinating. If OU, if OU po- poaches, I don't know if poaches is the right word, because Oklahoma's main t- recruiting it's, it's, territory. It's their home state territory. They get two of the five five star prospects. That's a great. I think sign. you feel pretty good about where they're headed. I, I felt it's a great, or that they're they're in good position because like there is, if you're an Oklahoma fan, you kind of have to be a little nervous, right? Yeah, that things are headed in the wrong direction, and I think it's off to a great start. Venables hired a staff of of really good coaches and finished number eight overall, despite the fact that the program was viewed to be in shambles for a little bit. And of course, the recruiting rankings also don't, you know mask all the players they lost in the portal, including one of the brightest young quarterback talents in the country. But they go out and sign a top 10 class with multiple five-star prospects from Texas in 2023. I think you can take a deep breath and say, you know what? This is Oklahoma. It's going to be fine. Totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, Ready to hit up some questions? Sure. From the mailbag? 40 minutes in. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, From Max C., Mount Rushmore of recruiting when it comes to doing the most with the least. Now I almost answered. Okay, this I did. I did some. I did a little bit of research for this. So I I, okay, I came up with. You haven't looked at my doc. I don't think because you don't do show prep. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so shouldn't I say mine? Yeah, first? that's what I, I came up with five, and then I did a little bit of research after. Like I didn't do research to pick my five. I picked five schools, then did research around them. That makes sense. Okay. Um. And how far back did your research span? Because the Mount Rushmore of underappreciated or of players of coaches getting the most out of their recruits has been different. Like in 2010, it might have been yeah, different I, than now. I kind of like went with now what's going on in the past now, few years. Yeah. Now is what yeah. I was, the way I was going to answer it in the mailbag. And maybe I'll just like answer it next week in the written yeah. form too. Cause not everybody who reads the, the, the mailbag reads or listens to the podcast. Should. Hopefully that'll yeah. continue to grow, but it doesn't, it's not there yet. The first one that came to my mind was, um, Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern. That's that was not the first one. I have Northwestern on my list, um, and I, I I play with the numbers a little bit to fit each school. And you'll see where I'm getting at soon. But average class in the last ten years, fifty one point eight nationally, and they've won two Big Ten West titles in the last four years. Now they've had some bad years too. Like they've they've gone from like not exactly, but almost like first to worst to first to worst. Um, so they have not had the consistency, which is what you expect from from somebody who's in that from a developmental right, standpoint. Where just the planets align every few years. Um, yeah. So yeah, that that's clearly clearly one of the ones that I first thought of. Okay, who else? Okay, um, I, Matt Campbell is like the cliche yeah, layup answer. I think there's one. My number one you haven't mentioned yet. Iowa State is number thirty in wins in the last five years. They've won thirty nine games in the last five years. 
average class over the last 10 years, because that kind of built up to that, is 56.6 mm-hmm. among the worst in Power 5. So if you were to rank the first two that we said, who goes ahead of who? Uh, well, my numbers are different a little bit. I mean, I, I would say Northwestern because they've won two division titles. Like, Yeah, there's no divisions in the Big 12, right. though. True. And they played yeah, in so a I don't think we need championship yeah, we, game and almost we won. We can just kind of... Like, Iowa State hasn't been as consistent, I guess, over the multiple years as Northwestern has been. Well, Northwestern's been State inconsistent. Also, That's my point earlier. Like, Iowa State, the last four or five years has been consistent. Like, they've been a six... But of, of those two teams, Iowa State was the only one that ever had a real shot of winning their conference. I mean, Northwestern played in the championship game twice. I know, but they had no chance to win either of those games. They were in the third. Hey, I'm with you. The third quarter of the Ohio State game was in, it was undecided. Didn't Ohio State cover the spread? Yeah, I'm just saying you can't say they had no chance to win a big a conference championship game when they were uh, to win a league title when they were in the third quarter in the game of a championship game. They could play that game a million a times. Million? I don't think Northwestern would win it one times. I bet they'd win it once if they played a million times. Guys would get guys would get we'll tired. Out, will we? Trey Sermon wouldn't run for 400 yards every game. You think that? Oh, you start every game over as fresh. Oh, you do? Is that the way it works when you play a million times? I don't know if Northwestern's in better physical condition for the millionth game in a row. <laughs> uh, okay, but yeah. Um, so You're one just that one popped obvious. out to me, Mark Stoops. No, because I'd say they're they're only they've only had two really good seasons in the past, like three or four. Like they're they're. Their entire program I know, when, is completely when different. We're, when it's we're not doing just about this, wins. answering this question in two years, they're on the list. But maybe they're not because they had a top fifteen class. Like, so like I don't think they've won enough to be on this list recently. And then they're starting; they're going to be recruiting at too high of a level to stay on this list. If that makes sense. Okay. Um. So another one would be Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Paul Chris. That's the, to me. They're number. Their last ten years, they're number eight in wins with ninety-one wins number eight nationally, they've had one top 25 class and their average class is ranked 37th. So basically they've signed the 37th. Yeah, it was the first time in, in history that Wisconsin signed a top 25 class in the 21. Yeah, so they, they average recruiting class of number 37 and they're eight in wins. And then I've got two more. Okay. I think one um, pretty I'm going to rate this next week. I'm going to like re-listen back to this. Um, most with least. Baylor? Uh, no, probably could have been on there. That, that, um, for your mailbag, I think you should include Baylor. Iowa? No. I mean, again, these are just... I'm not saying these are... Yeah, yeah. no, I'm just I'm just guessing. Like, friends? I mean, I, I think, okay, like a good there, one. there's... Cincinnati? I, I don't know how that couldn't be on the list. They made the playoff, so... you would you Indiana? No, there's another team that um, I'm thinking of that played in a uh, New Year's Six Bowl this year. That you you 100% watched. I know you watched them all, but you watched this one especially, special, especially close. I watched this one special? especially closely. Oh, is it the? Uh, Some people call it the granddaddy of them all. Yeah. So why do you think Utah? That? Yeah. Okay. Why do Why that's, do you watch it closely? Fair. Because you you Utah, do a podcast. Fairness, you do a podcast on Ohio State football. No, no. In fairness, Utah should have been one of the first four that came out. Yeah. Of so Utah, number thirty-one in wins over the last ten years, which isn't great, but they've been really good lately. And I frankly forgot who Ohio State played okay. in the Rose Bowl. I can tell the look on your face. Like, yeah. No, I know how that, that happens to me all the time. It's like uh, you just. Um, 
it's 2022 now, boys. Yeah, no top 30 classes in the last 10 years. Average class of 40th, and they've played in two of the last three, I believe, Pac-12 championship games. Yeah, and then, that conference sucks. Yeah, the other one I had was uh, Wake Forest, only because they are the second wor- – over the last 10 years, they are the second worst Power 5 recruiting school in the country, and obviously – And they were pretty yeah. good this year. Yeah, and you're wearing a Wake yes, Forest exactly. hat. Um, I'm surprised Vandy didn't make the list just because <laughs> – Doing less with more. Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. And um, can you do me a favor and just send me the stats, and then I'll lead the mailbag next week with it. Yeah. Um, make my life easier. My, my goal is to make your life easier. We could just write a, a Mount Rushmore of just and be a standalone story. I think that's that's yeah. good. Um, to lay the numbers out like that. Okay, here's a uh, sort of a relevant question or question that kind of you can pair with that one. What are the most underrated states for football recruiting? And I came up with three, and I didn't go with the like. To me, New Jersey, you'll say, is like I think New Jersey's overrated because it's so underrated. If that makes sense, like. But okay. but then there's there's um, one that there's, there's one that probably doesn't come to your mind is because you've written about it. Um. Well, the, here are the states that come to my yeah. mind. And there's everyone has a different definition, like for rate, underrated, overrated. Of. Well, like it's just like you don't yeah. think of it as like a traditional place of. I think North Carolina is the first one that comes to my mind. I did not. North yeah. Carolina's got a ton yeah. of talent, and you don't think of North Carolina as a a place that you're going to really like make a living, and you can if you do it right. Yeah, there's like multiple five star prospects in that state every single. There's year. four FBS. Um, there's four Power Five programs, and then a bunch of other programs that recruit that state. But that's we're not taking that right. into account. We're just thinking about like traditionally speaking, which states don't get viewed as a hotbed for high school talent, but probably yeah. should. Arizona, I think, is Definitely. one. I think that was shocking to me when I first started paying more attention to this a few years ago. Well, I don't know. Everybody who got mad at me for saying that California was a better place than Norman um, was saying that, why is everybody leaving? And then I went and looked at the census and like nobody's leaving at all. It's like, I think their population declined last year because of COVID. But also less people <laughs> are playing high school football in Less less childbirths and more COVID. Yeah. Is I read a story that like the actual population people aren't leaving as 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 frequently as you were being uh, led to believe. But the people who do leave California tend to go to Arizona, so I think that's part of it. Um, the, here's one I picked that I think from an overall number standpoint might not stack up, but always seems to have its share of top fifty guys. Nevada. Well, part of the reason for that too is that Bishop Gorman's in Vegas, and like a ton yes. of players go play play at so Bishop. Is that, is that an IMG so like, thing? I don't know if that counts. Is that like an IMG thing? It is. Yes. Like is Bill Landis' favorite person ever? I went to Bishop Gorman ever? to write about Tate Martell is he, once, is, and like Bishop is he from Bishop Gorman. He moved from California, didn't he? Tate yeah, Martell the family. I, yeah, like all the players that go to Gorman usually aren't from Nevada. Yeah. So, um, Bishop Gorman's high school is basically a college program. It is insane in there. Their weight room, everything. It's amazing. Um, Mar- Maryland's you know another one, one I put. Maryland's a good one. And like, I don't really view Maryland as a state. I just kind of, <laughs> I just. You want to talk about one to piss people off? You don't view Maryland no, as no, a no, state? No, 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 no. Obviously, <laughs> Maryland's a state. I mean, like, Maryland, to me, like, if you're in that region, like, you have to recruit Maryland, Virginia, and D.C. all kind of very the same. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you recruit that's the an area. area. Yeah, DMV. that's an area. DMV is like to me when I think of like that area, I'm like, do you recruit the DMV? I used to get in arguments in college with people who did not. One of my friends is like 
refused to admit that like New England states, like that was a defined area because he called New, New Jersey a New England state. I'm like, I'm from New Jersey. It's not New England. And he's like, oh, whatever. It's just anything up there. I was like, what are you talking about? There is a defined region, New England. Does New England end with Massachusetts? No, it's Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Vermont, New Hampshire, Connecticut's Maine. New England? Yes. I thought I thought it was New Hampshire, Maine, Vermont. It's Connecticut, Rhode Island. Is Vermont in it? Yes. So maybe it's just yeah. everyone around everyone that, from around the country except who live in the Northeast do, do not understand that. I don't. No, no, but I didn't know. That, I understand that. I didn't know that Connecticut. Was yeah, part I mean, of now I'm 99 sure. Now I'm freaking out that like I'm going to get this wrong. Um, but it was my friend from Arkansas. I mean, you're more likely. To, I'm not very good at geography. I think everything's a six-hour drive. Yeah, New England states comprised of six states. Yeah, of course. Connecticut, Maine, New Man- Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Rhode Island. Um, in Jersey. No. <laughs> in Jersey is also Philly. It's the same thing. New Jersey. That, that one will get Bill next time you say that. Uh, yeah, what's I got to ask Landon. What's his stance on Jersey? Is he anti-Jersey or is he just? No, he's not anti-Jersey, but Bill gets very flustered as somebody who grew up in the city limits of Philadelphia when they start taking the surrounding areas that might be 45 minutes or an hour away from Philadelphia. I'm calling that Philly. It in from being with okay. Philly. Yeah. When I, in college, so like, one of my friends was from Chicago, like lived near Wrigley Field. And, you know, most kids at Vanderbilt, like if they're from Chicago, they're from the suburbs. So we had this professor. He's like, where are you from? My friend's like, Chicago. No, no, where? where? Chicago. Chicago. But like, what town did you grow up? I'm from Chicago. And my friend just kept yelling at him that he was from Chicago. And this teacher could not understand that there was a kid who actually grew up in Chicago. Is that like Landis? Yeah, because like he wanted to say like Rosemont. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or something like that. Yeah. Like no, yeah, Landis gets really pissed because. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna slack and ask him what suburb he's from. If you do, <laughs> be like, prepared. Now he knows that I've told, I've told everybody okay. that he hates this. But there's a kid that it was the funniest prank I ever I ever played on him. But there was a a person that was on the Ohio State beat for the time being who was from Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Sure. Would, which is like right on the border there, yeah, right? I believe so. It's south. And yeah. So I told him, I said, if Bill ever asks you where you're from, say Philly. So one day I said, Bill, he's, I think he's from around where you grew up. And Bill's like, so where are you from? And he goes, Philly. No. And he goes, like, what area? And he goes, and he said, Cherry Hill. <laughs> Bill's face. You should have seen it. Like the dude, like, <laughs> like it took every ounce of energy for him to not be like, you're not from Philly. Um, but like, also, I think he really doesn't like when anybody from, from the other side of whatever river that Delaware. is, Delaware pretends like they're from Philadelphia when they're not. Okay. Well, I never pretended so, like I was from um, New York. I'm from Jersey. So we know somebody who was like from like central Pennsylvania, who was like, like Allentown who called it Philly, that, you know, like, and it's just like, that's not shut Philly. up. Um, okay. but yeah, the, the, the new England thing is good to okay. know because I always just think of like. The first thing I think about when I think about New England is New Hampshire. You don't think of Bill Belichick? Because it's like right in the meat yeah. of it. Well, actually, it's not in the meat of it. Massachusetts is like right in the meat of it. New Hampshire's north. I yeah. guess. Um, yeah, north of... Yeah, no, but north of Massachusetts is in the meat yeah. of it. Okay, that's fair. Um, so, New England Patriots is like, if you're from Vermont, you're a Patriots yeah. fan. And if you're from Connecticut, well, you're it's a been, Patriots no, if fan. you're from east, if you're from like the New York suburbs of Connecticut, you're a Jets or Giants fan. If you're from further up the up east that's why i was confused about yeah, connecticut further east and you're like uh, like hartford is more um more patriots more boston i think anything west okay. of hartford is more new york um these are all territories that michigan needs to conquer of course if they want to really yeah return to the playoff okay so underrated states we, we talked arizona nevada maryland 
which isn't a state. Do we have data? Uh, no, I didn't look. I didn't. Here's one that came to mind. Missouri. Yeah, I was thinking about that with two metropolitan areas. Yeah. Uh, I think that would, and if you're going to include suburban St. Louis or, I don't know. If, yeah. Illinois outside and if you of wanna, St. Louis. If you also want to include like some of the Illinois cities that are right yeah, on the other like side of the river too. And, yeah. Colliersville, yeah. I think is one of them. Um, okay. A couple more questions. Here's one that uh, uh, Mike, our producer is going to yell at me about because I spent like. If it's about Miami, I'm going I, Well, I spent two seconds on this one. So as always, and this one's really not a recruiting question, but as always, I, as I always hear about Arizona being a sleeping giant, just, just your, your mom saying this. Dude, you you are like packing in too many big picture questions. We're we're already. At the I know. End of this yeah, I was worried about we wouldn't hours. have much to talk about this week because it was kind of a slow week, and we're like, dude, there's always something. Okay, to we'll talk do this question, and then? I'll save the other ones for next week. Yeah. Um, who are your sleeping giants within each Power Five conference? Max C. Oh, Max C. Got two questions in this week. Good job, Max. Max, keep the questions coming because okay. you have good questions. ACC. I think um, Mike obviously wanted us to say Miami. Um, they aren't a sleeping giant. I think I don't take sleeping giants as down powers. Yeah. They've been a giant. I think sleeping giants giant. are schools that that have never been so a giant. So I, I put before. UNC. So North Carolina would be my ACC one. That's what I had too. My Big Ten one would probably be Rutgers. Okay, here's my Big Ten one. No, Maryland. I said there are none. Because Penn State, Ohio no, State, th- and Michigan are all good. Now, Penn State could be better, Michigan could be good. Michigan State, some people would say, like, I don't think Rutgers or Maryland are having in them to be a giant. Like, they could be better than they are. So I don't think there is a sleeping giant in the Big Ten. If Maryland, with all that Under Armour money, cool uniforms, and, that huge and geography, <laughs> in the D- and, they ever, and they ever, like, conquered the DMV and just owned it, would be awesome. That's a lot of ifs. If That's they ever did there, what though. they're supposed to do. Well, it's a sleeping <laughs> giant. It's yeah. like, which, which place has the ability... If things came together to be really good, and I think Maryland, which is basically you could have made the case a few years ago that they were like the Under Armour version of Oregon with all the uniforms and like they have better geography than Oregon, like Maryland would certainly be on my list. Okay. Um, But like, I guess I can understand that if you say it's never going to happen, then then I mean, I'm probably right. Like it's probably never going to happen. I could see UNC. I mean, do I think, (laughs) excuse me, do I think it's going to happen? Not necessarily, but I could see UNC, UNC. Wouldn't shock me if they were a top ten team. Wake Forest playing in the ACC right. championship game this year. Right. And you, there's a route there, right? So I guess and the it, Big Ten's a little bit more difficult because the Rutgers and difficult. Maryland are also in the most competitive division in college football. Right. So like they have to beat Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State every year. It's like they, that's hard. Yeah. You know, like the path for North Carolina is much easier. Right. So like the Pac-12, I think has three. Pac-12, I picked one, but I don't even know which one I would I picked pick. Washington. But Arizona State would I be Washington. Was that not so? They have four. Yeah. Who are your other ones? Washington, I mean, Arizona, yeah, Arizona okay. State, UCLA, and I didn't even think of Washington, but Washington too. Yeah. I think Washington within that division. Dude, you're like so biased towards the editors or the the teams that you've been assigned as an I know. editor. It's well, I know so much about them. No, I've always liked Washington. I've been to a game there. I think it's a cool, great city. Good. Yeah, I heard it's an good, awesome stadium. Good stadium, good school. It's got a lot going for it. Like, and maybe and Washington you know could have been an answer to the last question. You too. know what it is too? Like when you. Washington was really good when I started watching college football. So, like, that's my formative year. So, it's like, it, it, I consider them a power program. Like, But Arizona State has everything that you would need. And they're closer to players. Like, Washington, 
I guess as Seattle has continued to have more and more good players in it, like has something there. But Arizona State has uh, has like the blueprint if they could just figure it out. Like to and me, they've been good. They, Arizona they, they, State they not being good, being awesome a couple times in the past thirty years, right? I mean, they, they, yeah, I mean, like they were awesome one year. I think they were a winner against Ohio State away from winning a national title in '97, um, which I remember was one of the first memories I've had watching football my entire life. And it's crazy to say that that was, you know, over twenty. So years that's one ago. reason why but, you consider them because you remember. During your formative, I'm from I know Phoenix obviously you're I know from there, you know a lot about. But in your formative years, they were awesome. In my formative years, watching football, they were Washington only was awesome. awesome one yeah, year but Washington when I was a kid. Uh, uh, won a national title or split a national lost. title. So, um, but like Arizona is a great place to live. Their uniforms are badass. They're in a winnable conference. They have all the money in the world. Uh, their stadium is in a mountain. Their their student they body have no is recruiting insanely restrictions like pandemic anything they just they have yeah yeah you can just like let people come into your building during coronavirus and have no consequences right. for it. My, the funniest thing about the Arizona State thing is that they broke all these crazy rules, which in my opinion are fireable offenses. Because yeah. like if we were late led to believe that this is a potentially uh, you know not led yeah. to believe it's a it's a harmful virus that killed people and Herm Edwards the staff's <laughs> like all right bring them in and like Herm Edwards is still That's the coach. Like worse than okay. dropping Herm- bags like. It's way, way worse. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it blows my mind to me how that like just kind of flew yeah. away. Like to me, like well, of all of the things that jobs. have been like scandal, yeah. I know. But like of all the things that have been like labeled as scandal in like, honestly, the worst thing that's happened is Baylor. Right. And of course, Penn yeah. State, those instances are that's, terrible. That's a different but like realm. That's a different yeah. realm. What I'm saying, though, is that like when compared to. Tennessee, like Tennessee, like Jeremy like Pruitt, McDonald's yeah. cups and shit. Yeah. Like they like were like risking public safety. I was actually just thinking about that the other day. Yeah, I agree. And it's like okay, and their head coach is still the right. coach. Trussell had to resign from <laughs> Ohio State because he didn't tell the NCAA that the players on his team sold their own property. Yeah. All right, uh, two more conferences. SEC. Um, Big 12 is in a power five conference. So I'm okay. not doing it. I didn't know Big 12. I, I put TCU with the question mark because I didn't like the answer. TCU, maybe because yeah. of the area yeah. they're in. Uh, SEC. Is Tennessee? Tennessee's too obvious. Vanderbilt. And they've, uh, and they've been there. Maybe Vanderbilt. Yeah, maybe South Carolina. Like if Clemson, if Clemson imploded. That their teams are all right, good. That, I know. Let's say Clemson imploded. Dabo retires or whatever, or Dabo, whatever happens, and Clemson's takes three steps back but that's already happened in history and south carolina got all the players like the clown yeah. years they still were just fine they won 10 games three games three seasons in a row i know but like that was like yeah. the peak of like getting all the best players in south well, carolina and sure, like you said to me earlier yet. this is potential i mean this is i don't know if they have the potential yeah, to be a okay, giant so there's more talent in the dmv area than there is in south carolina yeah, so this is a difficult question um i think that the i think the only C- one we really agreed SEC. on was like unc <laughs> right of all, do you think that no, Washington our has more? Our Pac-12. It, do you think that Washington has more going for it than Arizona State when it comes to building? Um, I would give Washington the edge only because of tradition and and it's the institutional some institutional things that like football is just more important there. It's that was a fun question. Yeah, um, yeah, this is fun. Okay, I so mean, we're doing it. So this is a good we, yeah, we can call it. I think we did a good job today. Um, but there's more questions for next week too. Um, okay. Why don't you hit me with your trivia question so I can go take a shower? I just got back from the gym. Okay. I'm telling you, you look great. You look great. Uh, my face is thinning out a little bit. It's getting there. Your hair, your yeah, hair looks we're fantastic. We're working on it. We're all having a good time. Yeah. Okay. Um, how many states 
have multiple top 50 players in the class of 2023 in the 247 composite. Did you digest the question? Sometimes you don't listen and then you give stupid answers. I just don't want to say something really <laughs> stupid. You don't say more than 50 because there's not, there's, you can't have more than 50 states. First of all, 22. Your answers are so bad. Did you listen to the question? Well, I was like thinking like Massachusetts. How many one. states have multiple top 50 oh, players? Oh, that, that would be oh, 44. Oh, oh, top 50. Yeah. I was sorry. I was thinking top 100. My bad. No, my bad. My bad. I thought it was top 100, not top 50. Okay. Um, nine. Five. What are the states? Oh, my bad. I listed five. There's uh, seven because two. There's seven. Florida and Texas have eight players. Alabama. Good year for Alabama. Alabama and California have five. Louisiana has four. Georgia has three. And Massachusetts with two. How great is that? That's hilarious. Yeah. So. Well, when you yeah, Massachusetts. That's your state, baby. Yeah. Have you ever been? Good have show. You ever been? Yeah, I'm one of my best friends. Oh, it's right. Boston. Yeah, I went to Arizona State, right? Yeah. I uh, see. I pay attention. I've been to all the new. I I went skiing and uh, snowboarding in Maine once. I've never been to. I Vermont. drove back through Vermont. I've been to New Hampshire. Never been to Vermont. But the place that I went in Maine was like at the very southern point of Maine. So I haven't Portland, gone all Maine. the way up. I've been to Portland. I've Maine. been to Portland, and I got clam chowder there. I got good. my foot stuck in the back of a moped, and I had to go to the hospital. And I went to you Manchester, New Hampshire, to write a story. What? Did you hear what I said? You got your foot stuck in a moped? Yeah, yeah I was like I heard you. six years old, and I had to go to like the emergency room. That's hilarious. Yeah, really um, funny. <laughs> uh, I got hit by a car when you I was like 10. And I, that yeah. explains a lot. <laughs> I was racing bikes with my cousin and we were like neck and neck and I was looking at him in a car backed <laughs> out and I ran right into the back of this truck's bumper and like exploded my knee when I was a baby. <laughs> Poor Ari. Um, yeah, we all have those moments, yeah. but um, I do really like New England. I spent time in Manchester. Like I spent a week in Manchester, New Hampshire writing a feature about Ryan Day when he first got hired at Ohio State and meeting his family and stuff, which was badass. But if you're going to go visit New England, like, do you go in the fall? Is that like when you're supposed to go if you don't live I there? I think so. Is that the yeah. best time to go? It's pretty. It, it is. It's very nice. But, but there's some really nice beaches in New England, too. So, like, it's kind of yeah. a... Except I hate, yeah. I hate okay, all Boston well, teams, so. Yeah. They're the bane of your yeah. existence. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to another edition of Stars Matter. Mitch, that was really fun. Great intro. Uh, hopefully, I do a good outro, right? Yeah, so far, you're, you're doing pretty well. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that was Stars Matter. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah.